But we are going to go and we're going to talk about um, talk God's word. We're going to I'm going to attempt to do that today. But would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm convinced you're real. I'm convinced you are real and that you love these people. You love us more than I do, that your word is true in heaven and earth. And I pray you would speak today. You said when two or three are gathered, you're in the midst. So I know you're here. I could feel you're here. So have your way and speak your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I have a message. You can also get it on, if you have the Bible app, if you go to the events on the Bible app, you can follow on there on your phone or tablet or whatever, and the notes should be there along with the scriptures. Um, but you could do that. Today's message I call Church Life. We're going to talk about that. Now, don't say it out loud, but look at the picture on the screen, and if you know what that is a picture of, raise your hand. Some people can see it, and some people can't. All right, so we've got about a third or a fourth of the people. Now, I'm going to show you what it is. Put the next picture up. That was Florida from space, taken at night. Now, go back to the first picture. But when you look at it this way, it's not how you're used to seeing it, right? Like, you see it, and it's, I purposely put Florida upside down. I'm from Florida, so I was like, well, that's, that's when I think of the map, that's what I think of. But you never see it that way. And you don't, I mean, none of us go up in the sky at night very often to look down, and in my opinion, um, sometimes a different perspective can really change how you see things. And I think that we sometimes, in our culture, in our society, doesn't matter who you are, is, is we have a different perspective of church than God does. We look at it one way, and we don't really see what God is wanting to do. Now, not all of us. There's some people in here, I know you know exactly what it is, so this is going to be like a reminder but for some of you guys, I think God's going to just give a different vision of what church is or what church could be. And so the first um, scripture I have up there is from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. Now, this is actually the first time that Jesus speaks about church. Now, I think church is important, all right? I, I do. I'm, I'm going to be honest. In fact, in my life, um, I didn't become a Christian in church. I wasn't in the church when I received the Lord. I was outside of the church. I was like really far away from God. I was hooked on drugs and I was messed up and I had a mom who was praying for me and I was 17 years old and I thought I had it all figured out. Who had it all figured out when you were 17 or 18? All right, I wish I was as smart as I was at that age, but I had it all figured out. I was doing my own thing and, and my life, all of a sudden God got a hold of me. I can't say it any other way. Um, and I prayed to receive Christ and on my own outside of church. But when I got up from the floor, I didn't come down to the front of a church. You know, you can receive Jesus anywhere. He doesn't just live up here. He lives like he inhabits the universe. So when I got up from the floor, there were two things that I just said. I said, well, if I'm going to believe this, how could I not tell people? Like, if I believe that Jesus is real and that he is the savior of my soul, and that my eternity depends on him. If I believe it, then how could I hold that in? And then number two, I said, I guess I have to go to church now. I was like, I got to go to church. So I went and I visited a few churches. I inserted myself into church. Nobody invited me. 
I said, this I believe. So what do you do when you believe? You go to church. And so I showed up to a few churches, and, and a few people knew me from my bad days, and they tried to buy illegal pharmaceuticals from me. And I was like, well, I guess I can't go there. And then I went to this other church. And I remember walking into this church, and it was the only time I had ever experienced it. I had been, my mom would drag me to church. She would drag me to church when I was little. But I walked into this one church, and I sat in about this area right here. And I remember sitting there, and it was the first time I'd ever been in church, and the music, um, it wasn't just music. Like, these people, they were singing to God. And I sat there, and it wasn't just the people on the stage singing to God, but I heard every single person around me, all different shades and colors and ages, and they were singing to God. And I was like, well, this is cool. And the presence of God just became more real to me than I could ever imagine. In fact, I don't even remember what the guy talked about, but I just knew I was in God's presence. And from that day forward, you couldn't stop me from going. That's just what I did. Well, this is where Jesus talks about church. The very first time he mentions it. And he says, Now Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people think I am? His disciples, they look around and they say, Well, some say you're John the Baptist. It's kind of dumb. I mean, obviously, he's Jesus, not John the Baptist. Others think you're Elijah. Some think you're Jeremiah or another prophet. So they knew Jesus was special. They knew he was different. I mean, they're calling him John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, these amazing prophets of God of old. And so Jesus looks at them and he says, all right, well, who do you say that I am? And that is the question that you better be able to answer. Who is Jesus to you? Because the second I realized that he was really my Lord and really my Savior, my life was over. My life was over. Like, there's no inviting Jesus into my life. It's Chris's life ends, and Christ lives in him. And so Peter, he's that guy that just can't keep his mouth closed. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now there's some churches, uh, the, the church from Rome, they would say that, the church was built on Peter. I don't particularly read it that way because it's a different word for Peter. Nothing against the Roman Catholic Church, all right? I'm not over here saying that they're all wrong, but, I, but I, I do think sometimes churches can miss certain parts. And I think what Jesus was saying was, you're Peter, you're little rock, you're little pebble, because that's what the word Peter means. But on this rock, on the fact that you are calling me the Christ, the Son of God, on that fact, I will build my church. So Jesus is the one that is building the church. So let me ask you something. If Jesus is building the church, why do so many believers not have time for it? I'm not trying to judge people. We're just fr friends. We're just family. But it, it just, I don't get it. 
You know, the average person in America that is a believer, a committed Christian, 1.9 times a month. 1.9 times a month, they willingly show up to church and become an active part of what God is doing. Now, I'm not judging you. Please don't take this as, a, as judgment. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm just trying to be honest. Like me, man, I put on some weight. Put down the pizza, Chris. That's what my wife says. All right, I could talk about wanting to get in shape, but if I'm not putting down the pizza, it's going to be really hard. If I'm not going out jogging and putting down the pizza, and the older you get, your metabolism just stops. Young people, hold on to your good shapeness. Because the older you get, your body just like kicks down into low gear, and it just doesn't happen the same, and you don't heal up as quickly, and, and when you let it go, it goes. Some older people are saying amen. So just watch it, but, but you got to be honest, and you got to be real and say, you know, don't complain about being overweight if you're going to eat pizza last night, Chris, at 9.30, two slices of pepperoni and mushroom pizza from Papa Gio's. Not that I did that. But then when you do that, don't complain to Frank when you're setting up that the pizza's still there. Like it hasn't digested yet. And it just sometimes comes up a little bit. And Frank's like, well, that's what you get. You're old. But just be real. Jesus is building the church. This is where he's active. This is his plan. That's why when you get saved, you don't instantly disappear from this planet. Because he has a plan for this planet. He has a desire to reach people, to bring healing, to bring salvation, and you are a part of it. And the way for that to happen is through the local church. That's, how, that's what God wants to do. So let's go through some what I think are some misconceptions. Remember how Florida was upside down? Well, here's some misconceptions. I think some people have. Church isn't a building. Church isn't a building. But the church is each of us. I'm sorry. My daughter's part of the church, and she's scrambling to find the, screen, the, the picture up there. But church isn't a building. Church is each of us. And is it should be over here. That's not it. Oh, that's how I said it when I typed this up last night. Church isn't somewhere you go. <laughs> Forgive me. Same bit difference. Church isn't somewhere you go. The church is who we are. All right, we're not, we're not perfect in this church. If you're looking for a church that's perfect, you might as well leave right now. We are not perfect. We are messed up. We are broken people being restored by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, we try to be honest. We try to say we're sorry. We try to get things right. We're not purposely going out and being extra annoying. But sometimes we might have problems. But it's not somewhere you go. In fact, read this verse right here. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epaphitus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. So it's talking about the church meeting in their house. It is very hard for some people, even for the Village Square Theater, there may be a few, few people, to disconnect the church from the place where you go from the fact that it is just who we are. 
we are the church. That's why I don't have a problem with house churches. If you want to meet in a house, do it, but do it right. If you want to be a part of a mega church, do it, but do it right. If you want to come to Lakeside, come, but be the church. It doesn't matter where you go, but it matters who you are. It matters, are you allowing Christ to build the church through you? And is he the Christ, the son of the living God? When you wake up in the morning, who do you serve? Is he just a good old teacher that had some really nice things to say? Or is he the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God? So it's who we are. I don't stop being the church. I work a full-time job outside of here. All right? And you know why I work a full-time job? Because I did work full-time in the church. And I said, you know what? I love church. I don't get tired in church. Since the day I got saved, like, I just went all the time. I would sweep the floors. They said, you should serve in your church. So I was that guy who showed up on a Monday. And I was like, hey, I'm here. I want to I serve. And they had me pick weeds. And they had me sweep floors, and they had me move chairs, and they had me move chairs, and they had me move chairs. Get ready in the new building, you're going to be moving chairs. But they had me do all kinds of stuff, and I loved it because I was doing it as under the Lord. And I went out in the neighborhoods, and we stayed out. Me and Jonathan would take loads of kids to church in our own cars until they were forced to buy us a van. They bought us a van because of how many kids we were bringing. We were taking three, four carloads of kids every week to church. And the people would say, they look at us as young people. I'm like 18 and Jonathan's like 16 because he could drive, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever age that was. And they said, why are you going and picking up the kids? You should have their parents do it. And we were like, their parents aren't doing it. You get to work on the parents. But I'm not going to let the parents hold back these kids. So we went. I've never been tired. I love serving God. I just do. And so there came a point where I was going to church for a paycheck. I was the administrative pastor, the pastor of paperwork of a really large church. All I did was paperwork. All I did was count the money. All I did was pay the bills. All I did was work with the staff, writing policy manuals. I was like, this is no fun. And I was going to church for a paycheck. So I don't want to do that. And since I stopped, I said, what can I do that nobody else wants to do? Teach middle school math. <laughs> so I became an educator, and I've been in the public school system since because nobody wants to do that, and you need the Holy Spirit to teach middle school math. You need the Holy Spirit because, and I, and I did well. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I did well, but it was God's Spirit. And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, cry for about two hours every morning out to the living God <laughs> and ask him for wisdom and grace, and then it works. But anyways, I am the church. I don't go to church for a paycheck. Serving God is fun. It's who we are. The next thing. Church isn't built, and don't get mad at me, but it isn't built by pastors or leaders. The church is built by the Spirit of Jesus working through each of us. If you're coming to church for me to feed you, you're biting on the wrong person. 
Don't bite me. Feed off of Jesus. In fact, there's four places in Scripture where it talks about being fed. The most important one where Jesus says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in me. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no life in you. The second place, Jesus is meeting with the woman at the, at the well, and he says, well, my food, Jesus, they, they, the disciples, they go out to get food. Jesus ministers to this woman that's stuck in sin. She winds up coming and believing in him. He gives her some prophetic words. The disciples come back with food, and Jesus is like, my food is to do the work of the one who sent me. That's food. That's life. Doing work for Christ brings life. I leave here and I have more energy than when I came in. That doesn't happen in my earthly job. <laughs> earthly job does not happen. Energy just suck, is sucked out of me every minute of the day until I leave happily. <laughs> but serving Jesus is good. The other place it talks about feeding is when Jesus is in the... Um, the desert, and the devil's tempting him. He says, you don't live off of food alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So it talks about eating off of Jesus, receiving food from doing the work that God has called you to do, receiving food from the very word that comes out of God's mouth. And then the fourth place is in the book of Hebrews, where it talks about, the, the writer's talking about, well, you know, by now you should be eating solid food, but you're just a bunch of babies and I'm having to give you milk. That's not you, right? If you're waiting to eat on Sunday, you're like really not all that you could be. I'm not trying to be hard on you. But like if that's where you're getting your food, no wonder you feel weak and worn out. Because like, hey, no matter what I cook here on a Sunday morning, it's not going to be perfect for everybody. But God has something perfect for you. And if you learn to receive from him, like, you'll feel good. Like, I feed off of God in his presence. Off of Jesus. It says right there, it says, um, and this is out of the book of Acts chapter 14. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. I want you to see that. Look at the model that Paul did when he started churches. This is going to go over some people's heads, but some of you guys pay attention. They started the church, and then they appointed elders. They didn't even have elders. You, we think the opposite way around. I'll pick a man and, or a couple, and I'll, I'll put them someplace, and those two will start the church. Paul went, he started a church. And then he picked elders out of that church. Because it's the word of God, the spirit of God, that brings life to the church. The people that helped us start this church, God had already been working on them. Mike and I met in Augusta, Georgia. We didn't even know each other. And he had been praying about a church that would start here. First person we met, we met in Georgia. David and Sally we met. Barbara we met. David Walburn, who's been one of the most plugged-in people, we met like a week before we started this church. He's like, hey, I want to meet you. I heard you're starting a church. Can I meet you? 
I'm busy. We're launching this church. Sure. We meet for lunch, and he's, well, tell me about it. And I was like, it's going to be really messy. (laughs) I'm in. He helps get a lot of stuff done here. And some of you, God has called to be a part of this church. And if he hasn't called you here, he's calling you somewhere. And you need to plug in and become a part of what God is doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, it says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. Do you know there's a manifestation of the Spirit for each of us? It doesn't have to be the same. The last thing the world needs is more of me. But the world does need God's Spirit working through you. However that looks. Caleb, who thought Caleb did a great job last week? His head is growing as we speak. No, I'm just kidding. You did great, Caleb. You brought the word. You did a great job. Um, we didn't get it online because it didn't record, but um, we'll do that next time. That was, a, that was our bad, our mistake. But here's the deal. Caleb and I are not the same. Caleb and Tamara, Caleb and Tamara are not the same. Tamara has been a blessing for this church. We met Tamara, we got to know her, her and Jared, they've been a blessing. God works through her differently, right, Tamara? Then he works through me. But that's what you need. But it's for the building up of God's church, God's assembly. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which is from two words, which means called out ones. Ones that are called out, the assembly. Back in the Greek world, when they had like little things go on in the town or the city or the province, they would have an assembly of people, people that were called out from the town in order to make decisions for that town. And it very quickly got adopted into the scripture to kind of replace the word synagogue that you might have heard by the Greek-speaking Jews, where it was those who are called out, the assembly of believers, those who are assembled together. God calls people together because we can accomplish more together than we can alone. We can accomplish more together than we can alone. And that's what God is doing all over the world is he's building assemblies, called out people for a purpose because God loves the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But then he didn't just stop when Jesus was resurrected. Then he sent his spirit, and he put his very spirit, the spirit of the Son, inside men and women to cry out as ministers of reconciliation that God has died for this world and that your sins can be forgiven and that you can have new life and be healed and be whole in him. And that doesn't just come through me. It comes through all of us. The church isn't a place of judgment. The church is a place of healing. Now, I do think, just like that picture of Florida upside down, I do think that we almost have it backwards sometimes. The church wants to be very judgmental towards the world and then worry about taking care of our own problems. Like we come into the church and we all want our own problems taken care of, right? We all do. And then we want to look at the world and we want to judge the world wrong. Judgment starts in the house of God. God offers love and mercy. Jesus was merciful to the world. People came to Jesus messed up, 
Read the Gospels. The most messed up people came to Jesus, and he sat with them, he ate with them, he talked to them, he loved on them, he healed them. The religious people, he was pretty hard on. This should be a place where people should be whole. Anyone should be able to walk through those doors. Anyone. Think about that. Anyone. I believe your church, our church, should look like our DMV. You want to know what I want the church to look like? Go sit in the DNV for an hour. You'll know what hell looks like, and you'll know what we want the church to look like. All right? Not the same excitement as the DMV, but just where it's everybody. We're all the same in the DMV. doesn't matter how much money you got. doesn't matter what color you are. doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter what type of music you look for. We all get in the same line. And we wait. There's no calling in, you know, favors and scooting through the line, as far as I know. And if there is, let me know how to do that. But as far as I know, we're all the same. And, in, and God's body should be like that. But we put a lot of cultural expectations on the church. We want the church to look like us. Mm-mm. God wants it to look like the community. That's what we should have. And if you can't be around somebody who doesn't think like you or believe like you, or dress like you, then I don't know if that's God's spirit. I believe that people, and I want you to hear this, this is going to catch me off guard, you can belong before you believe. What Jesus did, he sat with Zacchaeus, a tax collector, one of the most wicked people. Anybody that works for the IRS is messed up, all right? And so Jesus sat with him and talked with him, and he winds up coming and getting saved. He belonged, he had a relationship, he sat there and Jesus worked with him. So I believe you can belong before you believe, but I don't think you should stay the same. Zacchaeus just didn't hang out with Jesus at night and then go rip people off in the day. So I believe people should be comfortable enough to walk in here and feel loved, but feel loved enough to change. It should be a place of healing. It should be a place where you could change, where you can be open about your struggles. There's been people in this church that have talked to me about their struggles, and we prayed. That's why we have prayer teams up here. That's why we offer prayer in church. I know we offer it, and some people, they feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I should go get prayer. People will think I'm weird. We already think you're weird. You're coming here, you're probably a little bit strange. Nobody's looking at you. Everybody else is just as, is thinking the same thing. But that's why we'll have prayer teams at the end, and we'll say, hey, if you have anything you want to prayer for, if there's a specific thing in that service, or if there's just a general need, come up and receive prayer. Because God moves when two or three are gathered, and there's a lot of people gathered here right now in the name of Jesus. And if you have a need, let some people that believe in Jesus pray for you. Now, it can happen other places too, but some people, sometimes we let pride get in the way. I know I have. I know I, 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 that's just how I was. But then there was something that clicked in me. The same thing that clicked and said, well, if I believe in Jesus, I might as well go to church. If they're offering prayer and I need prayer for that, am I going to be humble and let God raise me up? Or am I going to be prideful and let God take me down? Because that's really how it works in the kingdom. You're humble and God picks you up. Or you're prideful and he knocks you down. Choose. So I'm quick to say, hey, I need prayer. To text people in the church and say, I need prayer. 
The next thing um, that we have, the church isn't a denominational affiliation, big word. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. The word church can be used two ways in Scripture. It can refer to the church universal, like everybody who calls on the name of Christ, everybody that's in all kinds of churches around Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina, the United States, North America, all of the, the Western Hemisphere, all of the earth, there are churches gathered right now that are not the same exactly as us. But they're calling on the name of Jesus, and that is good. It's not a denominational affiliation. Sometimes you think, well, I go to that church. It's the Baptist church, or Lakeside, or the Catholic church, or the Methodist church. When I was little, I was raised Presbyterian, and I went to a Nazarene high school. Apparently, those guys are not supposed to get along. I had no idea. It all seemed the same to me. Some of my best friends were Baptists. I didn't know there was a lot of big difference, and some of you guys don't know either. But just the same way some people will be like, I'm a Ford guy, or I'm a Chevy guy, we start claiming colors of churches like they're better or worse, and not saying that there's not some time to, to partner up. But the problem is, is uh, we probably all got a little bit wrong. We're probably all a little bit off. And some people don't know the main differences. Like when I was little, I couldn't have told you what the difference was between Nazarene and Presbyterian. It all seemed the same, talking about Jesus. As I got older and I studied theology, oh, that's why they were saying it this way, and that's why they were saying it that way. But when it comes down to it, it's not the fact that you can claim Baptist or Lakeside Church or Methodist or non-denominational. But the church is still supposed to be the pillar and the foundation of truth. I want you to think about that, and I want you to hear me. We are coming into a season where truth is not going to be respected. It's not. There is truth. And we got a whole generation claiming what is truth. In fact, I've never seen it this way before. But I have a lot of students that were friends of mine, um, friends on Facebook or followers on Twitter or Instagram or all those different social media things. And they're not believers. And that's okay. But it's the only time I've ever seen a generation openly mock Jesus Christ. Like, it's not just mocking the church, because the church, you can mock the church. We're messed up. We do stupid things. And you know what? You can point fingers at the church sometimes. But just putting out a comment, mocking Christ? Like, why? It's weird. In the 70s, you didn't mock Jesus. Yeah, songs on the radio. Jesus is just all right with me, right? Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. I wasn't born then, but I've heard about it. But I do want to say that people, even outside the church, I mean, it was really hard to have a problem with Jesus. But now even Jesus, Facebook recommended a book to me. It said you, It wasn't even an ad. For some reason, I want you to hear this. For some reason, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial, but I'm telling you what happened. Facebook said, you need to read this book. I'm recommending it. Ten reasons why I left the church and no longer believe in God. I'm like, I do need to read that, Jesus. And I read it. Former minister, he started off with, 
I was a minister in the church. I went to theology school. I never had one of those, I know Jesus on a personal level relationship with Jesus. But I believed in him. I was like, what? What? You never knew Jesus, but you were a minister. Well, that's where you started off wrong. But I went through the 10 reasons, and, I, and it, it got to the point where I'm reading it, because I want to know what people think, and I like to listen to different views. But it got to a point where he's just openly mocking Christ, to where my spirit was like, ah, oh, where is this coming from? Like mocking Jesus? He was a pretty good dude as far as dude goes. It's really hard to poke holes in Christ. Things are changing. The world is changing. There's a right, there's a wrong, there's truth in their lies. And that's why it's important to find a church you can go to. Not that we all have to see every issue the same. And not that we won't, like, really, there's some things that we're really not sure about when we pray, and I think differently, and Caleb thinks differently, but, but there's some very foundational things. And that's what the church is called to be. Not judgmental, but a place where there's truth. And so I put this out there. We're moving to a new building. I'm expecting more people to show up. I'm expecting more kids to be in our kids' ministry. Because don't tell any parents in here, if you're a parent in here, I'm a parent. If you felt comfortable with your kids down there in the dungeon, <laughs> you're really going to like it when we have some space, when we have a playground. God, it's going to be good. Nothing now. I'm saying it's a dungeon now, but I'm saying they, they do a good job down there. But, but we've done the best that we could. But I think that we're going to do more and we're going to do greater. And we're going to need people to rise up and be the church, to serve kids. Some of you guys have a calling for that. And some of you rest of you could just suck it up and do it. Ooh, did I say that? Yes. Isn't that life? Isn't that family? Church is supposed to be a family. I don't know anybody that has a calling for dishes. But dishes got to get done. I got nobody that has a calling for taking the trash out. Trash has to get out. We all talk about wanting to operate in our calling. Sometimes your calling is just to do the work. Think about your house. Some stuff just has to happen. I'm not called to mow the yard. Now, I enjoy it. Sometimes just an hour worth of quiet and nobody talking to me and just walking and not doing anything is nice. And some people might be called to do the yard, and there might even be somebody that's called to do dishes. Come to my house twice a week. I'll cook for you or something. But the point is, is there's sometimes there's just work that needs to be done. And so I'm saying this not to say that we need you, but I know that God has a plan and he has a purpose. And until people rise up and be the church, until people do what they're asked to do. Um, and for me, serving God is a joy. If it's not a joy, don't do it. Don't do anything out of compulsion or obligation. That's not Jesus. It's not a workspace religion. Jesus still loves you. Whether you serve or not, whether you come once a month or not, Jesus still loves you. He doesn't like, you don't get any gold stars. He loves you. But for me, I, I don't work to earn his love, but I know how much he loves us. And if I could, back when I was younger, if I could pick up two more kids and they might find Christ, it was worth a 30-minute drive. If I could come early and drive a trailer 
and create a place where perhaps some of you might feel closer to Jesus. That's an honor. Nothing to complain about. If I can put these sound system up and somebody feels closer to Christ because of it, then cool. I'm not getting paid for this. One of the reasons is I don't want to go to church for a paycheck. The other reason is, is it's real. I know how busy your life is. I have five kids. It's insane. Nuts. I work. I just applied for another job. I'm like, I need another job. I'm busy. But this is fun. You got to have a hobby. Serving Jesus is more than a hobby. Now, as I was praying, we're wrapping it up right now, and we're closing. I want you just to bow your head. Just close your eyes just for a second, because before church, I was praying, and I was saying, God, what is it that you want to say? And I had this little, don't judge me, but I had this little, little vision, this thing where I just, I had in my mind's eye, I saw something, and it might apply to some of you guys. I don't know. But I saw almost like a snail. And this idea that it was some people you need to come out of your shell. You need to come out of your shell. Now, why does a snail have a shell for protection? Some of us, we try to protect ourselves. Snails, if you think about a snail, like we had them all over the place in Florida, they're really soft, they're really squishy, they need that shell. They're helpless without it. And in Christ, he will be your protection. You don't have to protect yourself. You can allow him to protect you. And I think some people, they keep back from serving God or from getting plugged in because you've been hurt before. I've been hurt in church too. In fact, God knew that that would happen in church. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, he put that thing about God forgive me for my sins as I forgive others. Because family is messy. But some people need to come out of your shell. I'm not asking for a great commitment. I'm just asking for you to to play your part, whatever it is God would have you to do. Because the world needs you. There's people out there that need you. And just give your life unashamedly to Jesus Christ.